All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are back with another episode of The Authority Project with my new friend, Allison Lex, in the house. How you doing, Allison? I am so excited to be here today. Great. So you're telling us now today that if we use these five easy-to-remember phrases that we can inc- we can make our copy better. Is that correct? Can you do that? It is. I have basically five things that will help you write better copy, and I've created fun little ways to remember them, and I'm going to tell you all about it today. All right. We shall see on this latest <laughs> episode of The Authority Project. All right, we are back here on the Authority Project where we help people. We help people. What do we help people do? We help you be the project. We, if you're the project, we're going to put authority onto your name and help you <laughs> sell more of what you're great at. And here we are, Alex and Alex is going to definitely help us do that today. Absolutely. So please tell us, first of all, who you are personally and then professionally. Absolutely. So I am a crazy cat lady. total crazy cat lady. If you are watching the video, you can see I've got signs and pictures all over my office behind me. I have eight cats. Wow. So I really, yes, there we go. I even have a sign. Oh, backwards here. A sign that says crazy cat lady behind me. Um, I am the adoptive mom to an amazing and amazingly exhausting four-year-old boy who is the light of my life. I'm a wife. I live in Baltimore. Um, I actually, I've always lived in this area. I live 15 minutes from the hospital I was born in. Love to travel, but also love to come back to my home base. (laughs) Professionally, I have been a copywriter for just about 13 years this month, actually. And um, I started working at Glazer Kennedy Insider Circle after I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. Mm -hmm. Worked my way up as and I left as the director of marketing, having gotten an incredible, incredible education from Bill Glazer and Dan Kennedy on writing copy, marketing, building an empire, the info business, all the behind the scenes stuff that makes me pretty good at what I do. Yeah. And now I um, teach people how to write better copy and I'm launching a podcast. It comes out this week. Um, After being a guest on so many podcasts for so many years, (laughs) I'm finally taking the (laughs) plug. Good. Great stuff. That's that's the long and short of it. Great stuff. Okay. So let's get right, let's dig right into it. Yeah. Sales copy. Sales copy. People hate to write, much less writing to sell, right? Yes. Some don't even understand it. (laughs) <laughs> a lot. I think a lot of people are scared of it. Yeah. Afraid um, because it's been touted as this big thing and it is, it's big and important. But I think with that, what happens is it makes people afraid to even try it because <laughs> they don't want to mess it up. And maybe, so tell us why, why, why it is important. Cause I know people like, sometimes people don't like, don't want to be salesy and pushy with it stuff. And I think they might be too manipulative, but tell us why it's important to, integrate this into their, into their writing process, into the sales process. So I totally get not wanting to be pushy or use car salesman, like, or Billy Mays infomercial. (laughs) And those are really extreme examples of (laughs) sales copy 
invoice, of course, but sales copy. Sales copy is basically giving someone the information they need to emotionally and logically make a buying decision with you in such a way that it encourages them to make that decision. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I'm not going to manipulate you, but I am going to help you get out of your own way, especially if I want to make a difference in your life. And I know that the solution that I have solves the real problem that you're experiencing. I want to help you make that difference. And so I'm going to overcome the objections. I'm going to show you how this benefits you. I'm going to make real promises, of course, that I can back up. Authenticity is huge. I don't want you to make stuff up. Not only can you get in trouble, but it's just not cool. (laughs) (laughs) Writing sales copy and selling is... And I see this a lot with my clients and the people that I help mm-hmm. because they they feel like I have this ability and I don't want to push it on people, like you said, but also they have a servant heart, right? They want to serve people. They genuinely want to help people. And so some of it is a mindset issue of, of realizing that it's okay to help people and make money, mm. That if you're the expert in your field, if you if you really do have that solution for a problem people have, you deserve to make money. Yeah. And that's a mindset that I had to get around as well. It wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I had to get there too. So I understand how difficult that really is. Awesome. Okay. So let's get right into yeah. the five phrases. What are they? And will they be easy to remember? (laughs) Well, I really hope so. They're easy for me to remember, but they're my phrases. So I might have a little bit of a a leg up. (laughs) The first one is make it personal. Make it personal. You want to speak directly to the person behind the other side of the screen, if you will. It's a, it's a human to human interaction. People buy from people, make it, put you in it and bring them in it. Okay. So that's kind of the quick overview of make it personal. We can always deeper, deep dive into that. But really when you understand your audience's real problems, I'm not talking about the surface level stuff. I'm talking about the real reason they're looking for a solution that may or may not include you. You can create your copy in a way that will feel like it's speaking to them one-on-one. And a trick that I use for that actually is I will get a a picture in my head of who my person is, right? How old they are, what gender they are, how much they make, right? The demographic stuff, but also like their personality, And I'll go on one of those free stock photo sites, Pixabay or Pexels or Unsplash or whatever, and I will look for a picture of a a stock photo that looks like what I imagine my ideal client looks like. And I will print it out and I will put it on my wall and I'll give them a name. Jane Doe, right? Whatever. (laughs) Steve. I don't care. Whatever the name is that would identify that person to you. You now have this person that you can write your copy to as if you're speaking to them one-on-one and it's going to automatically make it sound more personal. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm reminded of, I think it's 
um, I think it's originally a Godfather quote, but I remember it from the You've Got Mail movie with Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Where it's not business, it's personal, or it's not personal, it's business. That's what Tom Hanks says to Meg Ryan. And she's like, no, it is personal. It's all personal. Yes. And that's what I, it's, it is business, but it's also very deeply personal. I'm glad you said that because I hate that phrase. Right? (laughs) It's always personal. If you, if you lose your job, it's personal. If you lose your business, it's personal. It's going to affect you personally. So yeah, awesome. I mean, you know, I have my, my son, um, before everything started going on with 2020, I'm just going to leave it there. (laughs) My son started karate and he loves it. And the karate school has been obviously closed for a number of months, but they've been doing online classes and things like that. My son, he's, he's four. So the attention span is not really there for a zoom or an online video. I'm still paying the karate school because it's personal. Mm, Like I care about that school. Yeah. My, I think my kid has done like three of the videos (laughs) and he went to one zoom class. Like I I did not get my money's worth (laughs) quote unquote. Um, but I paid it happily because it's pers- it's deeply personal to me as a consumer. And I want that, pro- that service to still be there. That's a good point. When we come, you know, so it is always personal, even if you don't think it is the other yeah. person does. I have a favorite ice cream store that it's just like, it's like, it's ice cream is so good, but they're kind of like for, for, for like further out when you just feel like, Oh, they're going to, they're going to close down. Something's going to happen, especially with this ep- epidemic. Mm-hmm. So please. So I, I've been going there like almost, you know, yeah. Just to just just to patronize them because I want them to stay open. It's like the best ice cream in, in, in the city to me. So we have a local I, pizzeria. It's a personal thing. And I know the owner. We talk a couple of times. Yes. Got it. Got it. I love it. I love it. And, and on the flip side, my doctor. Mm. My doctor's amazing. Well, he was. He, he just moved. But he was amazing. The front desk, not so much. Mm. And if they lose me as a patient, it will be personal yeah. to me. Yeah. as a customer. So make it personal. It's not just business. Maybe I'll change it to, it's not just business. Make it personal. I like that. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Next one. Okay. If we're ready to move on to the next yeah. one, I'm with sure, you. Right the next one is poke the bruise. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. the, the background behind this is I'm very clumsy. We'll just put that out there. I typically have a bruise on my arm to show during this, but I magically don't this t- this time. When you hit your arm on a doorknob, right away it hurts. Right away. It hurts so bad. And then maybe like an hour or two hours, it stops hurting. Mm-hmm. And then the next day you wake up and you got a nice purple shiner. And it still doesn't really hurt. You kind of baby it. But then a day after that, you're over it. You've forgotten about the doorknob. It's been two days. The only reminder you have is the purple circle. Yeah. Until you poke the purple circle and it hurts again. Mm. And that's a metaphor for how your audience is going through their daily lives. Mm. They are not in active pain all mm. the time. Yeah. They're not walking around thinking, I need to XYZ. I'm looking for a solution for XYZ. This is a problem 24 7. It is a pain in their life, but it's just a purple circle on their arm. Your job as a marketer, because if you own your own business, you are a marketer of your business. That's your job. 
your job as a marketer is to find the purple circle and poke it. And it sounds mean, right? Mm -hmm. They're not going to be motivated to find a solution until you've agitated the problem a little bit and shown them that this is a pain they still experience. The way you poke the bruise in your sales copy is by saying, I understand this is how you feel. Pardon me, pollen. I got it. I got you. Yeah. I've had many a shows where I had to Mm -hmm. blow my nose in the middle of the show because because I could, could, yeah, I got it. This is is just a bad year for pollen for me. Um, But you, you show them that you understand the problem they're in. You maybe mirror some of the things they've said back to them, right? Hey, are you experiencing X, Y, Z? Is this you? We also do something I call future casting. A lot of people call it that. It's where you show them what their future will be like and how it could get worse without your solution. Right? Imagine Imagine living like this in 10 years. It's only going to get worse. You're going to X, Y, Z. If I'm helping people with their copy, like imagine you never actually get around to creating great copy and you just continually struggle to land marketing that works, Mm -hmm. right? Like you just, you show them how it'll get worse and that's when you can bring the solution in. Mm -hmm. But poking the bruise activates that pain, helps them remember that they have this problem so that they're open to discovering more about the solution. Yeah. Awesome. I yeah. Love it. Thank Hoping you. The bruise. Bring this. Keep it going. I, All I, right. I, I, have I have nothing else on that. I have nothing else. On, but I know what you're saying. <laughs> okay. You know, bring the pain, keep bringing the pain mm-hmm. so that they, I, I guess that is the, 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 or maybe the or, origin of retargeting maybe. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's you. So with retargeting, it's really just kind of like continuing to get your message in front of them or, or upping the message, depending Mm -hmm. on the actions they've taken. This is, this is how I open copy. I make a headline. That's a big old promise. And then I open with like, here's where you are right now. Here's the problems you're having. Mm -hmm. And then the promise of course is made in the solution again, but that's how you get their attention and, and kind of like get them ready to buy mm-hmm. one thing. And this might even be a bonus phrase, but people buy with emotion and justify it with logic. Okay. So I'm going to emotionally make a purchase and then justify it with a logical conclusion. So I'm going to call this a bonus one because that's a really good. And I say it all the time. I just bought something called the Bissell Crosswave. <laughs> It's a vacuum for my floor. <laughs> I am so excited about this. I'm such a, such a nerd. I bought it because I was super frustrated. My cat's food is right in front of the counter where my coffee pot is. Yeah. And I was really frustrated at stepping on cat food that's on the floor. Mm-hmm. Like it was driving me crazy. It, I couldn't take it another day. And so I bought this kind of expensive, it's like $250 <laughs> mop vacuum thing. Cause I don't have to sweep and then mop my floor. I can just once and done. Okay. I bought it 100% emotionally. It was yeah. because I was like, it's like Legos, but cat food. It's terrible. It hurts. <laughs> but I justified it thinking, well, you know, my cleaning lady, her business closed because of the pandemic. I haven't been able to find another one. Maybe with this, I won't need to get another one right now. Or I can pull it, you know, I can save money. Like I used every 
(laughs) in my book to justify that purchase, not just to myself, but to my husband who did not care either way. Yeah. I bought emotionally. I justified on logic. Mm. And so poking the bruise and making it personal and doing all of those things help get that emotional state to where they actually are ready to buy the rest of your copy where you detail all of the things that they get or show them all the modules that's helping them justify it with their logical brain. Okay. Got it. Got it. Um, And so my actual next one is don't Mm -hmm. wimp out. (laughs) What does that mean? What does that mean? (laughs) One of the things that I see and I've done this too when I, when I write my own stuff. I'm better at client stuff than I am at my own. Mm-hmm. Is you do all of this great stuff in the beginning. You have got a stellar headline and you've poked the bruise and you've presented what you have beautifully. You've got all these benefits in there. And I mean, people are sold. And then when it's time to make the call to action, you yeah. went out. You're like, oh, okay, you could if you want. <laughs> That sounds like me. What, what, what are you trying to say? What are you trying to say? Are you feeling personally attacked by Bob? <laughs> it's and it happens a lot on webinars, right? Uh, People who are not able to. It, it's it's tough, right? It's it's tough yeah. to make the pitch, mm-hmm. but we want to not only explain to them exactly what we want them to do next, right? If you want the XYZ solution, this is the offer I have for you. We want to tell them your next step is to click the big yellow button at the bottom of this page, enter in your credit card information, submit and wait for the email from me. You're going to see it in your inbox within like give them detailed what to expect next. This will not only help you keep from wimping out on making the close, but it establishes yet another layer of trust because the last, um, I mean, you don't like going into a room. You don't know what's going to happen there. Yeah. Right. You want to always know what to expect. Right. The same happens, especially when we buy online, we want to know what exactly is going to happen. So I know what to expect and when, so don't wimp out on making the call, selling them. It's okay to sell people mm. and, and don't wimp out on giving them, step-by-step instructions to actually getting what it is that you have for them. I, I love that. Yeah. Uh, we could probably spend the whole day on that. So go ahead. I could spend <laughs> a whole day on all of these. <laughs> it's really hard for me to be concise. That's why I'm like, does he want to talk more about it? I can talk more about it. Oh gosh, that is, <laughs> that is so, I, and I think when you say to, to do the instructions, the directions, maybe it's easier because it's more of a, it's, it's less emotional. Do you think that, do you think, Maybe the call to action should be less emotional from you when you're doing that. Is that part of the piece or, or no? So it's funny that you actually mentioned that because when I write sales copy, I do have the call to action. And then at the end of it, after the instructions, I do what I call the emotional appeal. Mm-hmm. And that is where I put on my empathy hat, although it's usually on the whole time. But I, I'll say like, look, I know you've probably been burned before or whatever, right? Whatever an objection is. And I know that you're frustrated about X, Y, Z. And I know that it's tough to ABC, but I really want you to think about what could happen 
for you if you do this? If you take action right now, what could your life, business, health, relationship, whatever, look like in just six months from now with this stuff that I have for you, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, it's an emotional appeal. So I do, like, the, the instructions are logical, but then I do make sure that emotional button is hit again. Absolutely. Awesome. Okay, yeah. so what's number? Where are we on five, four? We on four? <laughs> We're no, on we're technical five. number four, but okay. I threw a bonus one in there, so gotcha, we'll just call gotcha. it the next one. Okay. The next one is Energizer Bunny. Oh. Okay. Do tell. <laughs> Energizer Bunny keeps going and going. Oh. Right. Yeah. One marketing piece is very rarely enough. You mentioned it earlier with retargeting ads, but this works for direct mail, email, uh, webinars, ads, all of it. People require seven to 12 touches before they make a buying decision. And I have my hunch that that data is actually at the lower end of the price spectrum. If you're selling a high ticket product, it's going to require more than seven to 12 touches. I had a client who had someone following him for six years before he bought his multi-thousand dollar program. Wow. <laughs> I have people that I met at an event that I spoke at four years ago that are just now ready for copy. Wow. This is how it people are ready when they're going to be ready. Mm-hmm. If you only market to them once, if you only connect with them once, if you don't continually follow up, you're going to miss out on that opportunity. Yeah. On the flip side, this could also mean don't, try to force short sales copy when you need longer sales copy. People tend to be afraid of long sales copy. They think nobody's going to read it. And Ryan Dice of Digital Marketer, I'm in his um, membership, and he mm-hmm. said in the in his Facebook group one time, there's no such thing as copy that's too long. There is a such thing as copy that's too boring. Uh, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. I will read, I mean, I'm an avid reader. I will read two to 300 books a year. Okay. If it's boring, I won't read it. So if I'm going to read a 300 page book, what makes you think I'm not going to read a three page sales letter that interests me? Yeah. I've read, I've written 21 page sales letters. They were interesting to the people getting them. Mm -hmm. So some people may find it really boring. They're not your target audience then. Yeah. So don't stop at just one marketing effort and don't stop before you need to with your sales copy. Energizer Bunny, keep going. And especially if you have a high ticket product, you definitely have to be long form. Yeah, you need to you need to continually (laughs) warm your 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 offer, your audience rather up. And it's gonna take effort to sell something that's a couple thousand or more dollars. Yeah. I mean, if you're selling me a dollar bottle of water outside the baseball stadium, we don't need a sales letter for that. Yeah. <laughs> but if you're selling me a $10,000 program, I need some information. Right. Right. It's a big so. decision. Yep. Absolutely. Yes. All right. And the last one on my list, which is technical number five, but bonus number six. Okay. Homer Simpson. Wow. Okay. So, All right. Wow. A, friend of, a friend of mine gave this to me as well. Another copywriter named Julie. You're, you need to write to your audience as if they are Homer Simpson. Mm. Everybody. I don't care how educated, 
sophisticated, advanced, whatever your audience is, everybody has a day where they have the mental capacity of Homer Simpson. (laughs) Whether it's a long day, a day they've gotten no sleep, a bad day, whatever. If you come at them with complicated concepts, big words, confusing, difficult to navigate pages, all of those things, you are going to lose their attention completely. So I'm not saying talk down to them. I'm not (laughs) saying treat them like they're stupid. I'm saying, remember that they're human Mm. and not everybody has the mental capacity to jump through hoops ever or always. <laughs> right. I don't want to jump through hoops. Right. I had a right. lot going on. I run my own business. My husband's been home for like, I don't know, six years at this point in the pandemic. I don't know. <laughs> right. My kid right. is four. I've got eight cats running around. Like you're going to make me jump through hoops. You're going to lose my focus. Right. So, right. so no big words. <laughs> you want to avoid words that are confusing. <laughs> I call them stumbling blocks, okay, right? Yeah, if they're wow, yeah. if they're big, if they're difficult for the eyes to to read, right? Even mm-hmm. your fonts and your designs on your sales page, yeah. I might be sensitive to it because I've worn these for thirty years. <laughs> but not everybody's eyesight is great either. And especially when you're in the older demographic, you want to make sure you have a larger font size. It's it's not taxing. My eyes do a weird thing when I'm tired that if it's taxing, they go all on me and I'm done. I can't look at the thing anymore. So you want to just really keep in mind your audience's mental capacity for hurdles. And remember that the lower the hurdle, the easier it is for people to get over them. We want to remove obstacles to the buying process. That's why when I was talking about don't wimp out, we we tell them step by step by step what to do. It removes a hurdle. They don't have to go figure it out. Oh, yeah, you said push the yellow button. Got it. Right? We want to even something as simple. If you do have a long form sales page, once you're ready to like, reveal the price or put the buy button in there, make sure that there's a button and not too much longer down. There's another Mm. button. We don't want them to have to scroll back up. Right. Right. We want them to be able, and there's one company that doesn't do this and it never, I never understood it. Amazon does not do this. Mm. If I'm reading the reviews, the ratings, the questions, if I'm really researching a product, like I may or may not have done with the Bissell Crosswave. (laughs) somebody mentioned it online and I saw a video and I was like, sold total emotional decision. But had I been researching it and reading the reviews and all of that, then I've got to scroll all the way back up either on my phone or the computer to hit add to cart. True. How likely am I going to be like, eh, I'm over it. Yeah. If they put an add to cart button at the bottom, it's just done. So much easier. Right. So That's the kind of thing that you want to think of. Would Homer Simpson find this easy to understand and do? Awesome. All right. So we're up against it, but D-Mario is going a little bit longer. Just a few minutes. Yeah, you're good. Okay. All right. I know. I I can talk. I'm (laughs) I'm (laughs) Jabberjaw. I got two more questions. So the first one is, what is the biggest mistake you see people out there when writing copy or writing to sell? Um, their products or services to other today clients or potential clients, should I say? Talking about themselves too much and too early. Mm. Um, if I'm, let's say I'm writing a four page sales letter 
I don't talk about myself or in my client until probably the middle of page two. Um, really 25 to 40% of the first, really the first 25 to 40% of your sales copy should be about your client or your customer, your audience. So you go through the, you go through the pain process and then, then you, then you say, hi, I'm this, I have, or then I introduce the solution, which is me or my product. Yep. Interesting. Okay. And you could probably count the number of times that you say the words, I, my, me, all, you know, personal pronouns and reduce it by half. Wow. I mean, and not like rewrite it. So it doesn't go, but reduce the amount of space that you use talking about yourself by half. Mm. Make it about them. I was saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> awesome. And to the last question then, um, mm-hmm. copywriting, yeah. the process, the, the, the career, the, the job, the, mm-hmm. the business, you're obviously an authority in the field. Mm-hmm. People who <laughs> want to get into this field, since you're an authority, how do they now get into the point where they're starting out so they can also be an authority mm-hmm. in the field of copywriting, which sometimes can be competitive? It's very, very competitive, actually. Yeah, yeah. Very competitive, should I say. It's yeah. incredibly competitive. <laughs> so if you want to be an authority, sorry, hold on one second. I no, have no a frog in my throat. I'm going to cough. Okay, got it. Go. <laughs> There we go. Of course, right? When we're streaming live. Yes. Um, The best way to become an authority is to be able to prove results. Mm. And so whether that's for a client or for your own products or business, you want to prove results. And I see a lot of successful copywriters who, you know, they have, I mean, I can tell you, like, I get opt-in rates on opt-in pages up to 85%. Mm. My standard is 50 to 65%. I have gotten an 82 and a half and an 85. So that's why I say up to, because you know, I'm so sorry. No worries. No worries. Mm. So, but being able to tell some results like that. Now, a lot of times when you do client work, we don't always get a ton of results and copy (laughs) isn't only the, isn't the only contributing factor. So it can be tough, but Another thing that you really, if you want to become an authority or a thought leader or whatever the phrase is, being able to understand and teach the concepts. So it took me a long time to figure out why I could write. I just knew I could. Mm -hmm. And so like I learned, I wrote a sales letter at Glazer Kennedy, Bill lovingly tore it apart. I fixed it. And over the years, I figured out what was going to make it work, but Mm. I couldn't verbalize it until a few years ago where I could begin teaching copy because I understood why it worked. Yeah. And so it's not enough just to write good copy. You have to help others write good copy. Awesome. And I I wish, I wish I could, could, get in here the question about headlines, but I know that's going to be a long, long discussion. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I will give you really quick. I have a formula to get started writing a good headline. Okay. And any headline should have three out of four of these elements, audience plus benefit plus time minus objection. Okay. So Four elements, think of it like a stool. A four-legged stool sits, a three-legged stool sits, 
a two-legged stool falls, o- falls over, and a one-legged stool is a pogo stick. So mm. three out of four at least, and one of them should always be benefit. Audience plus benefit plus time minus objection. If you make sure you have those elements in your headline, it's a good starting point. I love it. I love it. That is perfect. That is perfect. And I think we're good to go. That's incredible, incredible stuff. Five five easy to remember phrases. There you go. (laughs) She did it. Knocked it out. Knocked it out. We can summarize again. Go ahead and summarize the five again. It's not business, it's personal. Poke the bruise. Don't wimp out. Energizer Bunny, Homer Simpson, and buy by emotion and justify with logic was bonus number six. I love it. I love it. Awesome. So tell us now where people can find you and connect with you further. So um, alisonlex.com. That's A-L-Y-S-O-N-L-E-X. Blame my mother for that spelling. (laughs) Um, You can also find my new podcast at systemtothrive.com where we do talk about serving genuinely our clients while building that empire. I love it. That is amazing. Please check her out, AllisonLex.com, in her new podcast, is System to Drop to Drive. Yes, yeah, SystemToDrive.com. I love it. I love it. And if you are around Facebook at all, please check us out on our Facebook group, the Authority Builders Academy. We'll be featuring more trainings like this from incredible authority leaders such as Allison herself, and we teach you how to be you, teach you how to be the authority. Um, and develop that and have clarity with that as well. All right. Thank you so much, Allison, for, for coming through. Any last words at all before we get out of here? No, just thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, this is awesome. All right. Thank you so much. And we will see you on the next episode of The Authority Project. There we go.